Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If I love my neighbor as I love myself, What is the greatest need I had? Somebody to introduce me to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest need that our friends, neighbors, co-workers, head over to Starbucks, have a latte. In there are people that know Christ. When you go out to lunch today, the waitress, the waiter, they need to be introduced to Christ. No, you're not going to give me your big Bible and get down and pray with them. But you can see if God will open a door. How seriously have you taken the Great Commission that Jesus commanded of all his followers? Does your exposure to the gospel or spiritual conversation only come around on Sunday mornings? Today, Pastor Mark challenges all Christians to passionately pursue the lost. There is a world full of people who desperately need Jesus. Every single person will either go to heaven or hell. There are no other options. The Lord is counting on His people to spread the good news of Christ to a world in need. How can you more effectively share the gospel in your sphere of influence? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Love God, Love the Lost. Well, then, he's going to kind of show them that their logic is wrong. How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, in other words, it's anointed, calls this man Lord? In other words, David calls his son Lord. For he says, verse 44, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus said, if David calls him Lord, how can he be a son? So Jesus says, well, okay, I ask you who the Messiah is. You said he's going to be a man. Watch me. You're, you're half right. He is going to be a man. You're half right. But then he's going to go back to Psalm 110, which he does in verse 44. We won't turn there this morning. And he's going to teach the whole truth. He says, you're half right. You don't have it all together, but you have half of it together. Well, which half do we have? We'll see in a moment. Here's something very important. Most Christians in our world, in America anyway, are baby Christians. They don't grow. They come on a weekend. They open their mouths, and they say, feed me. Thanks for the meal. I'm out of here. I'll do my thing the rest of the week. They can't feed themselves. They can't grow spiritually. They don't grow spiritually. They make no impact. They never, ever, ever reach any potential that God has for them. They go to heaven, but they go to heaven by the skin of their teeth. And that's because they don't understand the difference between maturity and immaturity. As a mature Christian, I want you to write this second point down, because this is huge. You see, when we're learning things, 
I have to learn that the Bible is the only way that I'll grow. So you are getting some solid food this morning, obviously. But here's the second truth. Knowing the Bible involves unlearning previous error and misconceptions. You see, Jesus says to them, listen, Vieira, listen. He says to them, you're half right. So that means in a moment they're going to have to go, well, what do you mean I'm half right? You mean some of our thinking is wrong? Yes. And if they're going to get to truth, they're going to have to unlearn which part of it's wrong. I'm still in the process of unlearning some things. See, we all have a little baggage from where we came and how that works and what it looks like. Well, Jesus is saying that very thing. He's saying, you're, you're half right, but you're going to have to unlearn something that you don't really have correct. Do you know today that error and misconceptions still happen? When you ask a person today, who is the Messiah? What is he like? We hear things like this. Well, Jesus is just a good moral man. Well, no, that's wrong. You, you hear people say this. He was an excellent teacher. Well, yeah, but he wasn't just an excellent teacher. You hear people say this, especially the Muslims. He was a prophet from God. Not as good as, not as, good as Muhammad, but he was a prophet. Well, no, that's totally wrong. He was a prophet, but way more than a prophet. And this is the one that we really hear. Jesus? Well, yeah, he's, he's one of the many ways to God. No, that's wrong. That's a misconception. So from Psalm 110, Jesus goes back and he reads in this verse and he says the Messiah is both David's Lord and David's son, both. In other words, the Messiah is God and man. As God, he's David's Lord. As man, he's David's son. Notice, when's the last time, if you have a teenage son or daughter, when's the last time you as a parent said to your teenage son or daughter, Lord, I don't think so. Not unless they've tied you down, you're going to break your arm or something, you'd call him Lord. You would, no, it's the other way around. And so that's the very reason that Jesus uses. So the Old Testament itself predicted 100% correctly that the Messiah would be fully man and fully God. Now stop and think about that. Try to get your arms around that. When would that ever happen again? Never. It's never happened before. It won't ever happen again. It's impossible. See, it's supernatural. You can't have somebody that's fully man and fully God. So that was the error they had. Write this down this morning, if you will. Jesus says the Messiah will be both David's son and God's son. You see, Jesus was a physical descendant from David. And as you go through the Bible, you can trace the lineage of Jesus, and you'll find both sides of the family he descended from David. Joseph and Mary were both descendants years later from David. His physical descent had to be traced through Mary because he was divinely conceived in the womb. He was divinely conceived in the womb by the Holy Spirit without Joseph being involved. 
Therefore, Jesus was both divine and human, divinely conceived by the Holy Spirit in a human womb of Mary's. So according to the flesh, Jesus was a descendant of David. He was man. According to the Spirit, he was the Son of God. The resurrection proved that. So Jesus was telling these religious leaders, I want to introduce you to the Messiah. He'll be fully man and fully God. They're going to have to unlearn something and be teachable. Now, let me just give you a question today. What if, what if the religious leaders, what if the religious leaders were right? What if the Messiah was only going to be a man? What if the Messiah wasn't Jesus, as Jesus claimed? What would we be doing here today? If the Messiah hasn't come yet, he's only going to be a man, what would we be doing in this church today? What would you be doing in Vieira? Well, we wouldn't be here. Why would we be here? Well, number one, the Bible would be what? Wrong. So if the Bible's wrong in one part, where are you going to determine where it's right or wrong in another part? Second, if the Messiah hasn't come... How about your sin and my sin this morning? I'm dead and my trespasses and sin. I have no hope. We might as well party hardy. Some of you saying, I can't believe you said that. I've been waiting for you to say that forever. <laughs> you see, if you're turning by the internet now and you just heard me say that, careful, but you got to get the whole statement in here. You see, we'd be lost. We'd be headed to hell. We'd have no chance. But Jesus was correct. I got good news for you. Just write these two verses. We're not, I'm gonna ask, I won't ask you to turn there. Mark 1.11. First thing, God claimed that Jesus was his son. God claimed that Jesus was his son. And Mark 1.11 says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Second, write down Matthew 10.32. Not only did God claim Jesus was his son, but Jesus claimed he was God's son. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. In other words, the whole Bible from beginning to end has always told us that God would be sending his son, Jesus, to be fully God and fully man, to be the Savior of the world. Well, when Jesus says to these people, you're going to have to unlearn it, here's the truth. From your own Bible in the Old Testament... It's always been, there's not something new I put in there. What's the response? Look at verse 46. No one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. See, they'd been quizzing Jesus over and over again, these religious leaders. Now, if they had been teachable, Jesus proved his point perfectly from their Bible. He proved from Psalm 110 that he was the Messiah, just as David had predicted. But they refused to see the truth. They refused it. They were baffled by his wisdom, and they stopped trying to trick him with questions. What would they do now? No more would there be words of questions. Their words would now be words of violence. And in a few days, Jesus would go to the cross. Turn with me to John 3, 16. John 3, 16. 
You're in Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 3.16. Vieira, John 3.16. You know the verse, but I want you to go there for a reason. I want you to see that God and Jesus show love. If I ask you today to a person you're dating or to your spouse to prove that you love them, how would you do it? Well, you'd know what your spouse likes. You do whatever. You do all kinds of things. Well, John 3.16, notice. For God so loved the world that he had warm fuzzies for it. No, that isn't going to do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, God showed love in action by sending his son, his only son, to pay for our sin. Now, before you turn to the next passage, right outside of John 3.16, write this, 1 John 3.16. Vieira, 1 John 3.16. Right there in the side of your Bible, in the little area where you can write. 1 John 3.16. And you're going to see why in a moment. It's amazing both of these Johns speak together perfectly, but they're books and books apart. Now, let's turn to 1 John 3.16. And if you don't know where that is in the Bible, go all the way to the end of your Bible, Revelation, and come back just a few books. You'll find it. 1 John, John 1, 2, 3. We already showed you that God showed love. He proved it. He sent his son. Well, this verse gives us Jesus proving it. Look at 1 John 3, 16. And by the way, you're there now. Before I read it, write, write in the outline there, right next to it, write John three sixteen, And you'll always remember that these verses apply to each other. John three sixteen. Let's read it. This is how we know what love is. It isn't warm fuzzies. It isn't just emotion. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So what do you see there? Jesus went to the cross willingly Before we went to the cross, remember he asked his father, there's got to be some other way. God said no. Jesus said, there's got to be another way. God said, no, there is no other way. And so he went to the cross willingly. Notice, Jesus laid down his life. He went to the cross for you and for me. So Jesus showed love by action. Just as God showed love by action. Now, God showed love, he sent Jesus. Jesus showed love, he went to the cross, was resurrected. Where does that leave you? Where does that leave me? Well, let's take a look, because the second part of this verse, the second part of this verse of 316 tells us where you and I are. Here we go. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Look down at verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, warm fuzzies, but with actions and in truth. Here's what I want you to write down. Loving God 
includes loving the lost. Loving God includes loving the lost. You see, as I said, love is more than this emotion. It is an action. And the next thing you want to write, it's a little long for you, but I think this is very important. If I truly love my neighbor as myself, then I'll do whatever it is I can do to introduce them to God. If I say I love God, God says then you have to love people, Christians and non-Christians. Then I'm going to, in some sense, lay my life down so I can win the lost, so I can introduce them to the person of Jesus. I will lay my life down to do whatever it takes to get those individuals to at least be introduced to Christ. Then God has to follow through with that. Remember, I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. And one of the main reasons is to introduce people to Christ. They're clueless. Not just in Asia, but obviously here in Brevard County. Mark 16, 15, which you see, says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Do you think God is creative enough to give us ways to reach all these kinds of people? Absolutely. Again, look at the person next to you. Do you see anybody that looks like you? Prayerfully not. They're all different. Their nose is different. Their ears are different. Their hair or no hair is different. God's very creative. Go look at nature. And so this is not a problem for God. You see, we're such a small, we didn't used to be, but we're such a small part of the world and getting smaller by the second. And yet we still have great resources We still have the opportunity to share the gospel. We still have an openness to sit here and meet in this congregation and to rent a school and present the gospel. But I want to say something to you. Those days are closing. And we have to find ways to reach out to this world. It's about billions of people who have never been introduced to Jesus Christ. How are we going to do it? What does it have to do with me? Number four, communicate the good news to everyone, everywhere. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans, you started there today. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans 10, 14. You see, we have the same message. The message will never change, ever. But the methods have to change. And we have to allow God to help us to be creative to do that. Do you know that the same God, as you turn there, Romans chapter 10, verse 14, can orchestrate how we can change the world for Jesus Christ? It's the same God. Now, I want you to look at verse 14, and I want you to tell me as we move through who the they are in this verse. Here we go. How can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Who's the they? It's the lost. The lost 
is all over the world. It's the lost. Here's what I want you to do this week. Just think about this verse, and I don't have a lot of time, but I want you to think about it very closely. Forget the they. This week, take this verse and put a person's name in that you know that's lost. You see, that makes it much more personal. It makes it much more personal. Understand, man's greatest need is forgiveness. Man's greatest gift is simply to be a follower of Christ. Now, let's read on. Look at verse 15. Now you tell me who these days are. How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Who are these days? Raise your hand if you're a Christ follower this morning. Vier, raise your hand. Keep it up. Keep it up. What does it say here? I have to preach. I have to be sent. And you know what? Your feet are what? They're be- Nobody's ever called your feet beautiful. Your feet are, they're beautiful. Why? Because they're taking the good news. I believe in this building and in Vieira and by the internet, there'll be people today that God's going to call to the mission field in this service. It won't happen after the service, but God's going to call you to a foreign field. But I want to say this to you. Every single Christ follower in this building, in the internet, up in Vieira, God has already called you to the mission field. That's what the word says. If I have a heart of God, it's a heart to go and tell the lost. Whenever God opens a door, I have the privilege and I have the responsibility to go. You say, Pastor Mark, I don't have that gift. A lady came to me after the first service today. She said, would you pray for me? I'm shy. I prayed for her. You see, God isn't going to make you this like bold person that you never are. He will open a door for you, and you'll know the door is open. The reason is we don't pray for him to open a door. If I love my neighbor as I love myself, what is the greatest need I had? Somebody to introduce me to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest need that our friends, neighbors, co-workers, head over to Starbucks, have a latte. In there are people that know Christ. When you go out to lunch today, the waitress, the waiter, they need to be introduced to Christ. No, you're not going to give them your big Bible and get down and pray with them. But you can see if God will open a door. Every person's eyes we look into fall into these categories. Look at them. They're either forgiven or guilty. You don't need to write it. Just get it in your heart. They're either walking with God or they're walking away from God. They're either headed to heaven or they're headed to hell. They're either saved or lost. Every single person falls into one of those categories. You're either all on the right side or you're on the left side. If I truly love my neighbor as myself, then I will do whatever I can to introduce them to God. Today, Pastor Mark opened our eyes to the reality that man is either forgiven or guilty. Our passion should be to bring anyone who is separated from God to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's no middle ground with God. You're either for Him or against Him. How might you use this truth to impact how you interact with others today? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Love in Action helps others find the way to God. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will explain how Christ followers can sometimes block the lost from finding the way to God. A couple barriers that cause this are the responsibility of the believer. Not enough Christians are sharing the good news, making God known. And a big reason for this is a lack of compassion or heart for the lost. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Here